Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. As the seemingly endless void of video-on-demand releases continues to grow, it becomes increasingly difficult to keep up with new releases. Time and time again, countless quality films go by unnoticed or underappreciated as a result of becoming buried in the void. And this is how one of the most stunning cinematic achievements of 2019, The Headhunter, is largely missing from best-of-up-and-coming horror director conversations. Currently streaming on Shudder, Writer and director Jordan Downey has crafted a bleak and gripping dark fantasy epic on a shoestring budget, telling the tale of a monster hunter viking attempting to avenge his slain daughter by beheading the elusive creature that killed her. The film's premise is as simple as one could be, and yet it's Downey's pristine attention to detail and visual storytelling that amplifies its simplicity into something truly remarkable. Our protagonist is simply referred to as Father, played by Christopher Rye, and is a man of few words. As the film revolves around a singular character, there are few instances of actual dialogue. The audience's understanding of Father stems from his deliberate and calculated actions, which establish him as a protagonist we become wholeheartedly invested in. The details with which Downey and writer Kevin Stewart litter throughout the film help to establish Father's intent, as well as establish context for events and items within the film's world. We learn that he's an honorable man which is conveyed by his refusing to bring his weapons near his daughter's grave. We learn of his unwavering and lengthy tenure to monster hunting, given the numerous monster heads lining the walls of his cabin, as well as arrows with past monster contracts embedded in a nearby tree. From its opening shot, the gorgeous volatility of the headhunter's world is apparent. It is a cold, cruel, and unforgiving place for the film's singular protagonist to inhabit. For as inherently dangerous as Father's world is, Downey ensures the viewer will spend much time marveling at its mesmerizing scenic shots sprinkled throughout. The film's many nature drone shots stun with their beauty as much as they establish the sprawling lands of this dark fantasy world. But, don't let its sprawling countryside shots fool you. The headhunter's scale couldn't be smaller. Unfolding over only a handful of environments and events, the narrative is surprisingly strong. Employing smart environmental storytelling, little time is wasted in establishing its world and protagonists with needless exposition. The audience initially has several questions which are not immediately answered, yet the answers begin to trickle in slowly. What is Father's backstory? What is this magical black goo he manufactures and smears over his wounds? Downey shows us rather than needlessly berating the viewer with the diatribe of exposition. The audience has shown that the black goo heals when applied to Father's wounds, allowing him to rise once more to slay the next beast. We're given further proof of this when Father allows the goo to touch a dead spider, and it slowly animates back to life. It sounds simplistic, and to be fair, it is. But by interweaving numerous instances such as this, It makes the film a remarkable piece of visual storytelling. I was frequently surprised by creative decision that The Headhunter employs, which allow it to achieve as much as it does on such a small budget. Several of the film's most tense scenes are when the camera lingers just outside a monster's cave the father enters to slay. Downey opts to abandon the viewer for several moments, forcing them to listen to the haunting echoes of combat unfold within the cave. While the obvious answer to this particular decision is the lack of a real budget, I find that it's handled with a remarkable amount of nuance that it aids the film's overall aesthetic. And yet, while some could say budget constraints hindered certain creative decisions, the one thing that cannot be taken to task are the film's intrinsic monster designs. Practical effects and brief instances of CGI helps to establish the brutal and gruesome nature of both the monsters and the land they inhabit. As can be implied from the film's title, Father takes a souvenir from each of his kills, proudly displaying monster heads amongst a wall of spikes. The variation of monster heads, while a seemingly innocuous set dressing, help to establish a sprawling lore of the film's world. 
And while this lore is only ever briefly touched upon, it's another example of establishing the world's mythology. The variation and gruesome detail with which is on display captures the mysticism and grueling danger in a black metal kind of way. From severed heads to father's wounds, a sickening attention to detail continues to engross us into this constantly violent and volatile world. And then there's the finale, which is one of the darkest horror finales of any horror movie of 2019. The most intricate display of stellar practical effects and claustrophobic set design that suffocates in its deadly intensity. Once again, Downey makes the mundane memorable through smart and simple direction. For instance, when Father's torch fizzles out, he relies on his flint, striking it to momentarily illuminate the cave. When he reaches a tight impasse, he sheds his armor to slip through. And then the skull of the monster which has stuck itself to Father's daughter's corpse shows up. A ferocious finale of slamming and stabbing a flailing monster that serves as an explosive culmination of Father's frustration and mission for revenge. I absolutely adored the monster design in the sickest way imaginable. What begins as a simple skull and spinal column is reanimated, and this skull slithers and finds its way to father's daughter's grave, essentially stealing her body for its own. The monster's sinister nature captures the dark and brooding atmosphere of the film that really comes across in an unforgiving way. And now for the segment I like to call half-assed research I conducted moments before recording this episode. Most of these facts kind of take place from an article I read on Film School Rejects where they interviewed Downey. Uh, Downey stated that the film cost $30,000 and it consisted of a crew of five people. The script for The Headhunter is only 40 pages, which is impressive considering that the movie itself is extended to 72 minutes in total for a runtime. I mean, obviously there isn't a lot of dialogue, but at the same time, it really speaks to the visual style of the movie and what he's able to do just by showing us rather than needlessly kind of expounding upon a story that is bare bones, but it's purposefully bare bones. The creative team raised money for the film primarily with the proceeds they earned from selling Thanks Killing props to fans through different types of auctions. For those that don't know, Thanks Killing was Downey's first film. It was about a killer turkey. It's a Thanksgiving slasher. Uh, so I haven't seen that, but it's, if it sounds as ridiculous as its title implies it is, I might have to give that a watch sometime. Props for the movie undertook a process called Corpsed, which means that they basically took old Halloween masks and they melted and stained them so that way it would look like actual monster heads for the different props and whatnot. They actually had to hire a costume designer to craft Father's leather armor suit because that was a little required more expertise than the crew was able to uh, kind of undertake. But that kind of speaks to just how much of a standout that one piece of uh, that one prop is. And the lead actor is Norwegian, so uh, Downey says that, funny enough, on set, once we got the take right in English, then they did a Norwegian take. So there is technically a Norwegian version that does exist of The Headhunter. I think that's kind of cool, interesting. I mean, it isn't a dialogue-heavy movie, so it's kind of interesting that they bothered to take the time to do that. But again, by making the movie in English, obviously, for such a small budget, they want to be able to get the widest audience and widest set of eyes, basically, on the film. But in the future, maybe, if the film is able to generate enough uh, sales and rentals and whatnot, maybe we could get financed a uh, special edition that is in Norwegian, which would be kind of cool. So given my qualms with the rate at which video on demand contents released, films such as The Headhunter serve as a display of this business model's value. By circumventing major studio involvement, Downey and his creative team retain total creative control, resulting in a smarter and concise film. The result is a film that thrives within its own dark fantasy horror corner, while serving a strong use of practical effects and engrossing atmosphere. The film never becomes a larger-than-life fantasy epic, though despite some describing it as Skyrim-esque, it never attempts to be. So, I highly recommend this to fans of dark fantasy looking for a more horror-oriented medieval tale. 
And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another horror movie review. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Daily Horror Habit podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service. And follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram or at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.